Our reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 2 and verses 8 to 11. If you've got a church Bible, that's on page 1, 2, 3, 4. So that's easy enough to remember. So Revelation 2, chapter 8. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 8. To the church in Smyrna. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Thank you, Malcolm. Well, it's a great pleasure to have the family of Ezra Waller with us today. What a lovely family. What a prospect lies before Ezra. His whole life stretches out before him. What will he achieve? What relationships will he make? What successes will he know? And yet, there will also be difficulties. There'll be problems. So what's the greatest thing we can pray for Ezra today? Well, come with me into this letter. It's a letter from the Lord Jesus Christ to the church in Smyrna in modern-day Turkey, modern-day Izmir. What does Jesus say to us today about the great need of Ezra's life and the great need of each of our lives? Well, Ezra needs, and we all know, need, to know Christ, to know true riches, to know valour, to know victory, and to know eternal life. Firstly then, we all need to know Christ. The author Michael Green writes, only Jesus fully understands God the Father. Great people have discovered and taught many true and noble things about God. But nobody has known him with the intimacy of Jesus, who could call him Abba, dear Daddy. Green continues, when that holy man, Mahatma Gandhi, was dying, one of his relatives came to him and asked, Babaki, you've been looking for God all your life. Have you found him yet? No, was the reply. I'm still looking. The humility, the earnestness, the sheer goodness of a great teacher like Gandhi shine through a remark like that. But it stands in stark contrast with Jesus' claim. No one knows the Father except the Son. Jesus is speaking in verse 8 to the angel of the church in Smyrna right. 
Probably this means to the pastor of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is first and last, who died and came to life again. In other words, these are the words of Jesus. He is the first. He existed before time. He's the last. He will exist when time comes to an end. He died and came to life again. Revelation is written to seven churches who are all facing tremendous spiritual battles. They're oppressed by the might of the Roman Empire. And again and again, Revelation says to us, Jesus is the winner. He died. He died to pay for our sin. He rose again in triumph over sin and death and hell. Jesus is the winner. He's defeated Satan and every enemy of the truth. Therefore, it's most important that Ezra and each one of us comes to know Christ. Secondly, it's so important that we come to know true riches. Jesus says in verse 9, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. In the 90s AD, when this letter was written, when Domitian was the Roman emperor, entrance to the trade guilds depended on making a sacrifice and worshipping the emperor as God. Most people did this as a mere outward show. They knew it wasn't true, perhaps, but they knew that making the sacrifice opened doors, a bit like being a Freemason today. The Christians in Smyrna would only worship Jesus as God. They wouldn't worship the emperor. And therefore, their business suffered. The trade guilds were closed to them. Therefore, the Christians were afflicted and impoverished. Yet, says Jesus, you are rich. How can they be rich when they're cut out of business deals? Answer, they're spiritually rich. They know spiritual blessings, the forgiveness of sins, relationship with God as Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the certain hope of heaven. These Christians were rich. And these are the riches Ezra needs to discover. These are the riches we all need to discover. Money is unreliable. Inflation runs at 10%. Banks can crash. And no matter how rich you are, you can't take it with you when you die. The only riches which will count on your deathbed are the spiritual riches of forgiveness and a relationship with God.
So we all need to know Christ. We need to know true riches. And thirdly, we need to know valour. Verses 9 and 10. These Christians in Smyrna were being persecuted for their faith. Second half of verse 9. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. These Christians were being slandered. Christians were commonly accused of incest because they talked about love for brothers and sisters. These Christians were accused of cannibalism because in the communion service, symbolically, they talked of eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus. These Christians were slandered by Jews. This is not an anti-Semitic Semitic statement. Jesus himself was a Jew. The first century church was very Jewish. Judaism was a protected religion in the Roman Empire. Jews were exempt from worshipping the emperor. And for a while, Christians were persecuted as an offshoot of Judaism. But then that came to an end, and the Christians were persecuted. The Jews said, these Christians are nothing to do with us. And Jesus says here, these Jews are not really Jews. In other words, they're not really the people of God. They are, in fact, says Jesus, a synagogue of Satan. They're standing with Satan against Christ. And the Christians in Smyrna will feel the full force of this satanic opposition to Jesus. They will need to show great valour, great bravery, verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. In other words, this persecution will just last for a limited time, just for ten days. But it will involve prison. It will involve the testing of their faith. And standing behind this persecution is Satan himself. We don't live in a persecution context. But there are many people here today who are the only Christian in their workplace. That's tough. You need to be brave. Or you may be the only Christian in your social network, and that's tough. You may be the only Christian willing to stand up for honesty in work, and that's tough. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Fourthly, we need to know victory, verse 10. General John Wainwright was imprisoned in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. He became broken down physically, exhausted, depressed. And then the news was brought to him that the Japanese had surrendered. And he was now, in fact, 
in command of this prisoner of war camp. When his guards came to abuse him, he said, no, I am in command here. These are my orders. We're in a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. We never fight Christ's battle with violence. Jesus showed us the way of peace. But we're in a battle nonetheless. The weapons we fight with are words. The words of scripture and prayers. And it's so good to know that Jesus promises us victory, end of verse 10. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. There is a crown to be won or lost. It will be awarded to us on the day of judgment, when we shall stand before Jesus, and he will judge our lives. And we will either be a winner on the winning side with Jesus and therefore awarded the victor's crown or we will be a loser if we've been unfaithful to Jesus if we've not loved him and served him and submitted to him as king he will say depart from me I never knew you and finally we need to know eternal life. Pamela Perillo was on death row, waiting for execution by lethal injection when she became a Christian. She grew up in the 1960s in poverty. Her mother had a fiery temple, temp temper, and Pamela always felt that her mother didn't love her. That lead to a terrible loss of self-esteem on Pamela's part. And then her mother left when she was nine, ran away, and shortly after was killed. Pamela's father was an alcoholic who molested her. And the police failed to believe her. Pamela felt so isolated when she was ten that she ran away from home and ran away from foster homes till she was 13. When she got married in Mexico to a heroin addict who led her to become a heroin addict. Later on, Pamela worked in a strip joint just to feed her son and herself and to pay for her drugs. Together with another employee there, they robbed a customer and ran away. Then they committed a murder, which led to Pamela being on death row. But Pamela became a Christian. And she said that this was the most welcome thing of all, the most welcome thing that could ever have happened to her. Verse 11. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you have ears to hear God speaking to you today? 
the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Each of us potentially faces two deaths. There's the physical death at the end of our time on earth. And then there's the second death when we are judged by Jesus and then confined to hell for all eternity. Ezra needs to be saved from the second death as do we all. We all need to know that we've been given eternal life in heaven with Jesus, as Pamela discovered. How can we know that we have eternal life? Well, as Jesus puts it, we need to have ears to hear, ears to hear God speaking to us, God telling us, but he loves us. He made us because he loves us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to experience the forgiveness of our sins. God is calling us by his Holy Spirit. The only question is, are we listening? Do we have ears to hear? Will we respond to God's gracious call? Will we say to him, yes, Lord, I agree that I am a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross in my place, taking the punishment for the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. I turn away from my sin. I commit myself to following Jesus. Thank you that you offer to save me from the second death. Thank you for the offer of eternal life in heaven. Will you pray a prayer like that? Well, today we give thanks for the life of Ezra. May he indeed know Christ, true riches, valor, victory, eternal life. May God always be with him. And may these things be true of each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross and paid for all our sin, that we might be saved from the second death, from hell, for heaven, for relationship with you forever. And Lord, we pray again that this will be Ezra's experience and we pray for each one of us that we will all come to trust in Jesus and to know your love for us personally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.